Hello everyone, welcome to the Artist Date. My name is Jana Komarnitska and this is Pedro Bonato and this is a show about all things related to creative life, working together, traveling together and different experiences that we go on our artistic journey. Yeah, and you can uh, find this show either, well, depends on where you already found it, but you can find it on YouTube, on Rumble, in video format, and you can find it as an audio podcast as well on the main platforms, on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, just to get that out of the way too. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, we would uh, ask you to leave a like or a comment if you are on YouTube or Rumble. And uh, if you are listening to us on uh, Spotify or on iTunes or I guess Google Play, if you can leave us a review, that would be amazing. So without further ado, let's get into the show. So what's so, the topic of today's show? <laughs> what's the topic of today's show? So um, if you followed us uh, on the previous episode, it was recorded a couple days before Yana went on a 10-day silent meditation retreat, uh, Vipassana meditation. And, um, and then uh, we were going to do a show like after. And then basically, I think today is actually a week since you came back. Yes, we recorded the previous, uh, the latest episode was literally the day before mm. I went. Uh, we released it a, a little bit like I was already in the process when it came out, but it was recorded the day and now today is exactly a week since uh, since I'm back. <laughs> since you came back, right. Yeah, so I guess in this episode it will be more focused on like your experience, so there will be a little bit more of a, I don't know, like kind of like an interview style, I don't know, like uh, about this, because it's... I was I'm, not there. So. I'm sure you'll have many comments to add. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, first, let's just uh, maybe comment, like, for people who don't know what Vipassana is or, like, your understanding of it. So, there are many different silence meditation retreats all over the world with different concepts. The one specifically that I went to, it was not specifically about silence. It was more about the concept of meditation and it's not just meditation, it's like more about the way of living. It's like yoga. Many people think about yoga as physical exercises, but actually yoga is a way of life, the approach how you have to life. Vipassana or Dhamma, it also called it kind of the same uh, thing, but the main focus during the course, it's called actually not retreat, it's called course, uh, it's on meditations and you keep uh, what is called noble silence. I'll talk about it uh, in a bit too. So uh, Vipassana uh, itself, the course itself, it consists of three parts. There are first sort of preparation to Vipassana, first three days, then actually Vipassana meditation. And the last day it's more like finalizing, uh, there is also like metta meditation, like the final thing, but it's it's kind of the closing. The Vipassana itself is the, uh, how I kind of think about it, the least fancy meditation that you can think about, that it stripped everything out. So you start the preparation days focusing on your breath and you need to just feel the breath, not throughout your body, but on the edge of your nose and you just need to feel. So the main task, of course, is not to get distracted by thoughts. And that's super crazy because our brain is working nonstop all the time. And as much as you try, it's 
feels almost nearly impossible. So your first task is just to feel, and you cannot visualize anything. You cannot speak through like, oh, breathe in or out or one, two. So they ask you not to do anything like that, but just to find this way in into just feeling sensation. You cannot, you can, you don't even need to describe or identify what exactly you feel or how you feel, but to get into this more sensation mode uh, and feel rather than thinking thing. Because when you describe what you feel, you're thinking. Uh, so this is the first three days, what is going on. The Vipassana itself, it actually, you start scanning your body for sensations and um, you go, they, they guide you in like in a specific order you go, how you scan it. But it's basically the first three days you just focus on a small area to prepare, to make sure your mind is sharp, to prepare your body to sit, because that's a separate topic. Like Vipassana, it's both physical, emotional, psychological experience. Um, so during actual Vipassana, you scan, but you need to be sort of like, your mind need to be sharp enough to catch up, I don't know if it's mind or senses, your senses would rather, because you, the task is not to include mind too much uh, in the work, but your senses need to be sharp enough to catch a very subtle sensations, especially when some part of your body is hurting like hell. And the first three days, Everyone's experience will be different. So once you start Vipassana, first you, of course, uh, during the course, they give you a little like introduction, more about technical stuff, how the things are gonna work, like uh, where is food, how that works, where is sleep, how that works, what's the schedule of meditations, how that works. So that part, they give you like instructions on the first day. And then the first night you start meditation, that's what they call, you start noble silence. So throughout all this, almost 10 days, almost full 10 days, uh, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to communicate, you don't have access to any technologies, like phone, computer, everything, like uh, you live uh, on the, once you arrive, you live with them, they will give you at the end of the last day, all that stuff, but uh, you ask not to communicate with other participants, we had a group of, uh, it was 92 people in total, participants, plus some people who were sort of servers. Um, that's all students who volunteered to come and sort of serve the course, like do cooking, some cleaning, mainly cooking like the kitchen, but of course cleaning of some areas too. It needs to be done by someone. Uh, so in total, it was over 100 people in the event because sometimes servers, they will join us for some meditations and lectures. Uh, but participants was 92 people, but you're not supposed to communicate with each other, talk, they even ask or try to avoid like eye contact, don't look at faces, uh, even when you are eating on a table, you have someone in front, but focus on yourself in the room, it's two people in the room, again, you're going on your own journey, and the reason is that because everyone will have very individual personal experience, and they want you to 
not get distracted. First of all, someone may say something you like or you don't like, and then you think about that rather than going on your journey of trying to focus on meditation, but that, why she looked at me like that or something like that. Mm -hmm. So this is one aspect. And second aspect, of course, if someone will share, oh, I felt this, I don't know, like lightness in my chest or whatever sensation, then it's kind of like the next day or the next meditation, you will expect, oh, where is my lightness in the chest? And it's not necessarily you will feel it. The same about nice sensations, it feels different in terms of pain. So for me personally, first three days I was very surprised. Then uh, I didn't feel any pain in my legs and hips. And I was very worried because I have very tight muscles there. So it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to sit like that. But first three days, like you just sit, you can change positions. You can even lean against the wall. That's fine. As long as you cannot lay down. No, the back needs to be straight and vertical and you need to keep your eyes closed. So as long as you do that and focus on the meditation, you're good. But legs for me were not hurting, but back, I had like, I found so many more muscles in my back <laughs> and shoulder, not even neck, but more back and shoulder area. It just was insane. The pain is no matter how you try to adjust, um, I was not leaning against the wall in the meditation hall, but a couple times I did in the room. You can do some of the meditations you can do in the room. So there I was leaning. And even there, you're kind of leaning on the wall. It still hurts. And you try to stretch. You try to do something. Maybe put some little gel. You're not supposed really to do any help. Like, let's say you need to go through your body sensations as they are. But even if you try, it doesn't help because you put some gel here on this spot, you come in meditation, another spot starts hurting. So you never can guess. So that was kind of like useless. I took with me, like, I was like, just in case I want to be prepared. I have some band-aids for muscle pain or anything. But at the end, they were kind of like useless because they don't really help. But first three days, it was hurting like hell so i thought it was hurting <laughs> like hell until day four then actually vipassana started and they did introduction lecture to the actual vipassana meditation technique but then it was two hours long lecture and i did not research in advance all the steps like what i'm telling now on one hand, it may help someone who is watching or maybe planning to go to Vipassana. On another, it may take some experience out. Because for me, I didn't know all these details, what exactly is going to be happening, how it's structured, etc. So for me, certain things were as a surprise, but I wanted to keep it as, as it goes, as it flows, to see what will be experienced day after day after day. So if you're planning to go to Vipassana, be mindful like i will give a couple spoilers but again i don't know because everyone's experience will be different so on the fourth day you have a two hour long lecture meditation lecture it's meditation actually but it's very guided because usually all lectures they give you a little bit guidance in the beginning and then the rest of the time you're on your own in silence and some meditations is just on your own without like it's a very minimum thing that you hear as an input of what you're supposed to do. But this was like two hours and it was throughout two hours quite a lot of information guided. But then in the beginning of these two hours, they said, now we start Vipassana and you don't move while you're meditating. And that was such a shock, was such an expected 
think like oh, two hours and I cannot move and you sit in the hall which is very echoey so every movement it will be heard and of course they're not standing in, on top of you and like you know trying to punish you if you move no but it's still like it's a social thing too, like, it's, yeah. like it's funny, you're alone, but you have this uh, social compelling, right? Because one thing when you're alone trying to do something, it's another thing when you're in a group, because like, there is that group reinforcement. Yeah, and I remember when they said, like, it's on the audio you're listening, and then the teacher said, like, oh, now you don't move, and you have this shock panic, you try in 30 seconds to sit in the most comfortable pose that you figure out during these first three days, and it doesn't help because you try to just quickly and then everything starts hurting. That's the moment that my hips start hurting, my knees start hurting and that was a real pain. First three days was nothing compared to those two hours and it was just because psychologically they said, oh, you cannot move. Because I was like, yeah, I was doing two-hour meditation during these three days and I was even thinking like, oh, I almost don't adjust to move much. Like I'm, I'm getting comfortable like on a certain day. But once he said you cannot move, that starts really, really terrible. And then the whole Vipassana is like for six days, the main days, you're trying to scan your body for m sensations what you feel in each body part and you need to be get start getting okay with the fact that some part of your body will hurt like hell while you still need to focus on different parts of the body and try to feel whatever you feel like warmth ticklish coldness whatever it is like very sometimes very subtle because certain things they're like blind spots you 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 don't feel like what what do i feel there i don't feel anything so you need really to dig deeper try to feel and not get distracted and then of course during the process they also talk a lot about like the fact of pain why the pain is happening why it's important to not to move why do they say actually didn't talk about this i don't know why do they say the what's their explanation for why the pain happens? no the pain happens from uh, you you're sitting you for a long time it's not comfortable getting uh, your muscles may like not used to this so it's it's a very generic like ah, okay. regular I thing they had like a reason. no 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 yeah. like but why you still need to keep uh not moving that's a cool concept because it's basically it's transferring very much to day-to-day -day life not in terms of pain because it's not about vipassana it's not about torturing yourself it's it's not about that it's a very conceptual approach to life in terms like first of all you start understanding that everything passing nothing stays as it is everything will be passing everything is a flow so even for physical sensations and that's a very cool thing that it's a tool on practical how through physical sensations of your body train your emotional state and your mind on how to approach the the life in general so during vipassana for instance, with pain specifically, there are a lot of points here, but one, I noticed that if I sit on the pose and something starts hurting, let's say my hip, and then I start like, ah, oh, let me cheat a little bit, let me maybe stretch. So I don't move, I don't really change the pose in general, but I start trying to sort of little do stretches, so... As if like, oh, nobody will notice really, but I know that I'm moving. So the more adjustments I try to do to 
like I mean literally stretch like maybe like try to hear like press with my hand to stretch like whichever spot joint is hurting or trying to like you know wobble a little bit or oh, maybe to release the tension so the more I start doing it the more the more it hurts uh, it doesn't go away it's only getting worse and then till the end of session because uh, afterwards you don't have two hours afterwards you have three times per day but it's one hour that you do this meditation that you must be still it's all together in one whole rest of the meditation and it's 11 hours of meditation per day so three of those hours you have to be still it's together uh, or they say at least like okay if it's unbearable like really like they say okay do the minimum possible movement but you have to be in the hole with all together but the idea that you don't move so uh, the more you start moving and adjusting then the rest of meditation it's a nightmare and you never know how long it still is because you don't have clock you know it's one hour in total, you know it started, and they're very sharp on time. Mm -hmm. Not Brazilian time, <laughs> not, I don't know how we joke, Egyptian time. No, it starts on this minute, it finishes exactly one hour. That was very, very on, on time there. So, you know in principle it's fully one hour, but you don't know how long it already passed. You don't know how much finished uh, is about to finish. So... Either it's two minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, it doesn't matter. It's like a nightmare once it starts hurting even more. At the same time, I noticed when you keep still and something starts hurting and you're just like, okay, it's hurting, whatever. You focus on other parts. At some point you notice like, ha, it actually stopped hurting or it stopped bothering me that much. So it's the same concept in life in general that everything is passing. You have good times, great times, great, but you should remember that probably at some point it will change. You have bad times that you struggle. If you start emotionally struggling even more, like complaining or suffering, oh my God, I don't have don't know, money or this broke, etc., etc. So then on top of the problem itself, you're adding your emotional suffering on top of it. And then it becomes even worse. But if you just approach, okay, I have this problem, it will pass. It's not going to be forever. Then it's kind of the same approach that you train through your body, how you acknowledge pain. And of course, it's also treating pain and pleasant sensations equally. So if you feel at some point during Vipassana, you start feeling like very nice flow. And for me, on day nine, which we'll talk also probably yeah. a little bit more about this, it was like, at some point you feel so good in your body, it feels so not relaxed, because it's not about trying to relax your body, it's just about noticing uh, things, but there are very pleasant sensations. And the approach of Vipassana is once you start craving those pleasant sensations, most likely something will start hurting or they will not come. And at the same time, if you have unpleasant sensations and you've tried to reject them, which I was talking just a few minutes ago about this, ah, let me try to maybe cheat, try to stretch or something like that. If you start trying to reject them, they will be even more amplified. And it's the same in, um, 
in real life. So if you really craving for something and you want it in a specific way on a specific, I don't know, something has to happen and it has to happen this way and it has to happen on that day, most likely it's not going to happen in this life. And if you have a problem, as I already mentioned, and you try to push it, reject, either you don't want to look at it, then it obviously amplifies the dragon starts growing, or if you start suffering on top of it, then it again amplifies and makes it even worse. So it's a physical and mind, and it's a mind training to treat both sensations equally. It's like, okay, it's hurting. It's sort of another very cool concept that they keep repeating is like you're observing reality as it is without adding emotional uh, layer on top of it. Okay, it's hurting. Yes, it's hurting. But you're trying not to suffer emotionally because it's hurting. The same as pleasant. Oh, yeah, I like it. I feel it. It's nice. But you're trying not to crave it. Because that was my catch, what happened with me at the end of the Vasana, which we'll get to it. But it's a very interesting... So. It is meditation, it's a technique of meditation, it's a concept of meditation, but it's more about the way of life and how you bring those skills and tools into your day-to-day life. And what did you discover about, because I know like you've been wanting to do, we should mention that we're still in Curitiba, the city where I grew up, uh, and uh, these, um, like, this Vipassana group, they have this, uh, well, courses, retreats, like they have these things that happen all over the world yes. and they have they happen to have one happening literally here and we had a friend that uh, a common friend that she had already gone through that and then uh, how did you but I know since we lived in Toronto you were thinking of doing this so how did you learn about it I honestly do not remember how I found out I heard about it in in Canada last I remember last few months or so and we were already planning to go like i heard about it i do not remember from where Mm. then when we were in ukraine i was looking at it but it was not a good time in general for me to go in vipassana then when we came to brazil i actually applied i got first on the waiting list and it was too many uncertainties so i just said like no i don't want to wait till like be called three days before you can come because and then this time I heard from a friend who actually she wanted to do again, second time Vipassana. And then she just mentioned on Instagram stories, oh, they do these dates in Curitiba. And I was like, I'm in Curitiba right now. And these dates we are planning to be here. I might as well apply. And I actually got in. So that, that just happened like uh, very, very nicely, like stars aligned. Um, but Vipassana itself, just to it's a really like worldwide phenomenon pretty much any country will have at least one center and sometimes they have centers like their buildings and sometimes they rent out spaces so for instance in Curitiba they don't have a center but uh, they twice per year only twice per year they do courses and it's female only male only and sometimes it's mixed uh, male and female so I don't know if they do three but they do at least two runs back to back and it happens twice per year and it happened to be here and they but in any country like just go to dhamma.org like we'll put probably a link in the show mm-hmm. notes the official website 
Um, it's worldwide. You will be able to find in your country where exactly in which city it is, which are the dates. So they open pre-enrollment not too much in advance. Uh, and you need to wake up super early, like 6, 7 a.m. when they open and right away fill out the form. Mm. Because Vipassana, um, I mean, it depends, of course, on the city. I think in Curitiba it's less popular, but when I was applying half a year ago, it was in Sao Paulo, I got already on a waiting list. And usually they close in two, three hours. They already have so many applications that they close the website. You cannot apply further. Again, it depends country on country, how popular known this thing is. And then even within that list, as far as I know, it's not first, let's say, first applied, first come. It's kind of a random pool. And then the rest of the people go on the waiting list. Although this, I'm not sure. No, I so heard about no. it somewhere when I was sort of researching about Vipassana, but I'm not sure if that's true, uh, true or not. Uh, and Vipassana itself, it's actually free, which is crazy to think about. And uh, uh, this is something that they were addressing during lectures. Oh, regarding lectures, it's all the same lectures worldwide because they, it was created, this the course, uh, or put together in the system by Goenka from India, which to me sounds very strange, <laughs> like what? as an Indian last name, but Goenka, uh, he developed and um, the study in India, not, he didn't develop, he learned, but it was passing from teacher to student and he more like systemized it. And at some point they went to, or he, or I don't know who exactly, they recorded him doing all lectures when he tried to go and spread it um, in the West. So he was teaching in English, it's him, you hear his voice, and then the meditation itself usually starts with him, so you hear instruction in English, and then typically they translate right away uh, this thing in uh, local language, so for here. Here it was in Portuguese, for instance. And then the lecture, because every day in the evening you have also one hour lecture, that they did separate. So there was a group of people who was listening in English, because it's about one hour, uh, and then separate group at the same time was listening in Portuguese. So the English uh, original like lectures and guidance, it's all the same. It's all used by like recording. They press recording and you listen there. There is an actual teacher there present, but uh, his or her role is more like to address questions. So if you have, if you need some guidance and extra help, this is the person to ask. She doesn't give any lectures, she doesn't give any like guidance, it's all by tape. And the, the course itself, it's all free. It's based on donations that you can leave after you took the course and you need to finish the course. Let's say if you drop in the middle for your first course, they don't accept any donations from random people. It has to be students who went through it and understand the fully because it's a 10 day experience for the first course. It will not work in three days and five days and seven days. And you go through different stages of like, oh, cool, interesting to like, oh, it hurts so much to I'm so bored or to like, that is useless, pointless what I'm doing. I'm wasting my time. And then you go through all the stages during this 10 days and you need to go and finish all 10 days to actually understand what it is because information it's given and guidance very gradually very logically from teaching point of view i can say very nicely systematically like they don't give you too much in advance uh so you can actually experience it 
but they don't, they give you exactly on the point. And I was very happy that the lectures were in the evening because throughout the day of those 11 hours of meditation and you wake up at four, you're so squeezed, you're so tired emotionally, physically, you're so exhausted, then you kind of come to the evening to the lecture, you sit and it's like, you better tell me good reason and reminder why I'm doing this to myself. <laughs> and the next day you start with a fresh portion of information. But on the point that I mentioned before and didn't finish in terms like, oh, the course is free. Like all this 10 day or 12 day, like first preparation and second, the final day, they are all like free. Uh, so they, at some point they addressed in the lectures uh, this topic that first when they decide to put it more like available for uh, bigger people, it was actually... What do you mean bigger people? Bigger number of people, ah. not just like student ah. to, <laughs> to teacher, people. but mm. like bigger number of people. Mm. They actually did it and it was like from 1970s start developing like actual like core system like that. Uh, it was paid, but then very quickly they decided to switch into free based on donations. Uh, and the reaction, the initial reaction from like team or managers and going the main guy said no I wanted to be, make sure it's free and then people can leave donations for next round of students that they want the initial like managers because it was in India he was like are you crazy like in India people are starving and here you will say like 10 days I give you free food like everyone will just rush and, and then he, he was joking not joking like half joking but he's like just tell them that they will need to work from 4 a.m. till 9.30 p.m. <laughs> and most of them will get out. And then second, oh, but if you want to bring it to the West, to English-speaking audience, it will be different reaction. It will be suspicious, like, what's wrong? How can it be free? And then he was just like, okay, we'll work with that and great deal. But the reason why is it free it's because not to transform this experience into something that you think you bought or you like service-based, let's say. Oh, I paid money, I don't like this. Like, mm. uh, I don't like the food or I don't like, I don't know, the bedroom or... So it's not that you are not feeling that it's... Uh, something that they obligated in terms of providing you, it's more like you are having this experience of 10 days like a uh, nun or like you're living in a monastery or like you are basically living as a beggar on the kindness of other people. And then if you want, you can leave donation for them to make sure they can organize the course for next students. So it's basically every course is already sponsored by previous students and you can sponsor, if you want, donate for the next round of students. But your experience, so it's not becomes like transactional experience. It's more like experience of, mm, I don't even know like how to, to, to translate it like nicely now me, yeah? because it was said very nicely and very logically. But uh, so you can fully focus on this experience of receiving this new like information and um, 
going more with this concept of accepting things as they are rather than trying to get picky and oh but i paid for this or i paid for that or etc so it takes that element out of the of the experience yeah i, I mean as you know i am incredibly skeptical about all things economic like so just as a like i don't know like my my thinking on this is that fortune tellers think that way too they they offer you for free and then you give a contribution later but you're so, so i understand like i'm not i'm not comparing the two by any stretch of the imagination at all but what i'm saying is like uh, it's a very common thing in religious activities and uh, it's very common even um pa even in music like the pass the hat kind of a thing you know like um so you play and then uh, in Toronto there were like many bars that basically all the musicians were paid that way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, you can watch for free and then they pass the hat. If you like the performance, you can like give some, uh, some money to, to, to the musician. So it's trying to take away the transactional element of it too. So no, with restaurants and bars, it's uh, no, trying to restaurants no, to... No, 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 but for the musicians. <laughs> the idea is that... Uh, my point is... The idea of, because as you can, you can think of, uh, oh, you take the transaction out, but that's literally, on our case, the first thing that we talked about, how much should we give them? Because you needed to bring money to, to leave it to them. So it does not take it out at all, like, in my opinion. Like, I was not there, so I don't know. But, but like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the idea itself. I understand that if it's a free thing, it's like a gift to the people that will start, but they already have a selection and they have a number of people that they can attend, they, they can serve. I like the idea that it's, a, let's say, a voluntary like thing, just yes. like kitchen soups, like for, for, for um, soup kitchens, so, no kitchen soups, soup kitchens in, in churches. Like what I'm saying is the idea of not making it transactional from the beginning, um, make it possible to be sustainable. But it's a way of transactions. It's just a delayed transaction. Yeah, yeah. Like there are different approaches and different views. But yes, everyone who was involved in the course uh, was involved in voluntary base. So there are like twelve people who are servers. It's uh, all previous students who come and they do like the um, logistics of like making food, serving food, like more like working on kitchen. There are also two managers who go. Uh, like as long as of course you keep the silence but if you need any practical thing you can always come to the manager and like quietly like um, uh, ask or something or tell something whatever it needs so there are two managers they're also volunteer based and the teacher who is there addressing it's also basically volunteers so the money of the donations they usually go to the rent of the space because they need to either rent or if they're or building build. like lease or community like oh sorry utility bills like all that exists and food that's main two expenses that they have that they cannot make happen on a volunteer base like uh, let's say so yeah. uh, money usually i get it for that yeah it's interesting the um, you know it's like i'm not really it may sound that i'm picking on them for that but i'm not at all i'm just analyzing from that point of view because uh uh like, as you said, like the where they said, like the people in India would have one specific, uh, um, let's say, approach to it, and the people, let's say, in the West 
will be suspicious of, wait, what do you mean? Like, are you going to catch me at the end? That kind of stuff, yeah. which is how we are uh, sort of like trained to, to think. Uh, so, but in the end, it is something like, well, you can leave anytime and you're here free on a voluntary basis and everybody there is voluntary. So at least it takes away that. So I think it's very pretty, actually, very cool idea that people will, um, will like do that. It's just that I've seen this so many times be perverted into other things mm -hmm. in the arts i've seen this like oh but you're learning so you can come perform for free or in martial arts they had oh you clean the the place so the most devoted person to to the to the institution becomes the sucker and usually there is corruption at the top i'm not talking about vipassana right now i'm talking about groups in general, in general that become yeah. some cultish kind of a thing that's where the let's say the at least that's how, why i would never go on this i wouldn't say would never go but it's like that is something i cannot get past me personally like i because i've been like because i've been deceived a few times in groups that i thought were like uh enlightened and they were nothing but so, and again, I have no, no experience with Vipassana. Maybe it's still in the golden age of being a, mm -hmm. a cool thing that is good for, for people. Uh, so that, that would be interesting. I'm just talking from the point of view of the transaction because like you go there, the, and I think like built in in the end is kind of cool that it's like there is, as you're saying, from what I understand that you're saying that they have a lot of this uh, stoic philosophy, right? That I even mentioned to you the, Part of a poem that I like that is written on the top of Wimbledon entrance for the players. That is a poem called If. And then there is two lines on the poem that is, if you can meet triumph or disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is kind of a, a, in, encapsulates this idea of the expectation of pleasure or the avoidance of pain, which is the basis for our so like not to stay too much on the on the economic side like but um, like it's an interesting thing and I don't think there is a better solution even though I was criticizing the whole thing like I don't think there is a better solution because if you go there and you pay for it you will have, probably they have some uh, litigation problems too like oh I asked for this and I didn't get it so I'll sue you so someone could sue them out of existence like I'm thinking as like other places would do like so they would have that extra headache too right but if people don't give the donations then the thing wouldn't happen yeah so it's very interesting it, let's say that's actually an, a, a, a testament to the fact that since they have centers all over the world they are always asking for people to be volunteers if you actually go there and they get serving the next uh, generation let's say the next class of people that will um that will um, like explore Vipassana, they also probably get something out of it in terms of their service, right? So it's, um, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's like, first of all, on a practical point of view, if someone was watching and planning to go to Vipassana, you don't even need really to think or worry, like, oh, how much to take money with me to live, because you always can actually afterwards do donation via website. They open you like the... Um, 
you can log in and do password as an old student and do donations. So you really don't need to worry like, oh, how much cash do I bring, etc. In that one, I saw they actually had, I think, a terminal. Like, uh, so if someone wanted to live on the last day, like via credit card. I don't know if it's available everywhere around the world, but that one I saw. I mean, I think it was for donations. Uh, the terminal. So uh, that's uh, one thing. And then um, I lost my. Thought. It's okay. <laughs> I actually, one thing to comment because it's, uh, to me at least, it's so interesting. Uh, I remember uh, okay. because you start talking about like a cult, religion, etc. Like for me, Vipassana, like it didn't feel like anything really about cult or religion because you don't, you don't have a God that you are trying to. Uh, how to say, uh, worship. worship or object or idea or anything like that. Uh, it's uh, also, it is from, it comes from a Buddhism, Buddhist tradition. And they talk during lectures, of course, referring to Buddha. And uh, they, they claim that it's exactly the meditation that was taught by Buddha. And then everyone else afterwards start adding like either visualizations or other tools uh, like that, because we have many different kinds of meditations these days. So they come, I don't know how true or not, it's just how intellectuals are presented. They, they do tell a little bit about Buddhism, but there are no expectations of uh, you becoming Bud Bud Buddhist. Like Buddhist. Not at all. Like if you come there as a Christian, you come out as a Christian. If you come there as a Muslim, you come out as a Muslim. Everyone is uh, sort of welcome. There are no selection uh, by religion or nationality mm -hmm. or anything like that so it's more like a CV person as a tool that if you want afterwards you use like they tell you to keep the inner transformations and keep the work because of course you will not get enlightened and then like Buddha in 10 days no you will have a lot of things processed and of course even well the idea is not to think Thoughts come up, scenes from the past, or thoughts about the future. Things come up and you kind of process, and everyone will have very different experience on that. Mine was very cool, like for six days. I thought it will be very heavy, the stuff, like, oh, who knows what will come up. Like, because you said there was many... a lot of people like crying. And, like, I was just about uh, to say, yeah. like, mine, like, I was expecting that probably because we all have suppressed thoughts, things. Uh, starting from childhood to recent like uh, days, years, whatever. So something may come up, you never know what. For me, it was very light. It was many even unpleasant situations that were coming up, but they kind of were from different angles and perspective and it felt like a closure. Like, it felt very re re relieving like for everything. At the same time, during group meditations, very often people were like crying and sobbing and you understand that the person cannot hold. Like, like it's those common emotions, whatever came for that person. So everyone's experience will be different. For me, first six days was a lot of those things, although trying to focus on sensations, but things come up and they're very like transformative. Then day seven and eight, nothing like that was happening and it felt very literally boring i got at some point to the sensations of being bored but you also mentioned like i think you should mention this because an interesting thing you told me on the day that that you came back that uh, you were very worried about your legs getting numb 
Yes. That would be an important thing yes. for people to mention. Because I know, like, from yeah. knowing you, that you're very uh, aware, aware, no, you're very, you pay a lot of attention to your sensations on your body. Like, I don't. So that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, it's, not yeah. a, it's not a universal <laughs> thing. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that too. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it actually goes goes together, flows. So I remember day seven and eight, I didn't feel anything like clicking or moving or transforming, and it was still difficult to focus on meditation. And then uh, one of the things that, like you mentioned, like this pain, okay, day four was that shock, day five was very difficult, painful too. On day six, you kind of, I, again, it will be different for everyone, I got into figuring out how to deal with pain and accepting it. So it felt like, again, like a progress. Then day seven and eight felt so like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe I got everything for me that I could. Uh, It's kind of silly, boring. Like it's that stage came to the point that I was really thinking, maybe I should drop out. Maybe I should just go home. But then I was like, okay, because I know how those things go through different, both emotional and physical experiences, and physical experience that has emotional level to it. So I was like, maybe it's just a stage, it's just a couple more days, might as well finish and be done. Even if it's nothing else comes up, like, okay, it's not just a few days uh, waste, not, not tragedy of the life. But then one of the things that I could not manage is uh, uh, numbness of legs. So I didn't feel pain, but then you see it and you don't move. Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes for me, one of the legs start getting super numb to the point that I really could not feel it. And the thing is that numbness itself, like it's not painful and it intellectually, I understand, like it will not do anything like we sleep sometimes and wake up with numb arm or leg and who knows how many hours we were in that position sleeping. Like it will not injure me, it will not destroy me. But it was a very scary for me play sensation. When I sit and I understand I cannot feel, like I mean I feel the outer whatever meditation it like on the surface, like I feel the sensations, but I cannot feel inside my foot. I cannot move my toes like to that point so you first like okay numbness and numbness but then you sit and sit and sit and it gets to the point that it's literally you do not feel you cannot i mean you feel on the surface but you cannot feel the muscles you cannot move and for me that was super scary and every time i was getting to it i was trying at some point i don't know how long maybe half an hour i was sitting into it and then at some point like okay it's too scary i was trying again to try to like tweak to uh, go like try to contract mass etc but once you start doing those adjustments actual pain occurs somewhere so it was always a balance and it was for me day seven and eight and then at some point I was like okay I gave up at the end of day eight I gave up any expectations that I will have this wow effect or like uh, enlightened effect or like all these crazy transformation or enlightenment happens in the 10 days, I gave up. I was like, okay, probably nothing like that. Let me just focus on um, learning the tool that maybe I'll apply later in life, maybe not, etc. But 
I gave up, let's, I gave up on myself in terms of alignment in this 10 days. And I remember on day nine, I decided to take it super, super easy in terms of whenever, whichever meditations I could, I would go do in the room. Uh, in the room, you can sit on the bed. Uh, it's okay to lean against the bed as long as you don't lay down. Because if you lay down, you get sleepy. Wanting or not, and also they talk about that uh, during lectures, you think you are smart enough to be awake? No. Okay, maybe five minutes you will sustain, 10, 15, but in 20, 30 minutes, you will start getting sleepy. So your, your mind cannot be sharp. But at the same time, you can be in the room very comfortable. You can be sitting in bed, your legs can be whichever position you want. You can even cover, get cozy, like, you know, like in, it was nice weather, but still in bed, it, it's nice and cozy. So uh, as long as you don't get sleepy, so you need to balance that and be very, very precise. And as long as in the room, you actually meditate. You're not going to take a rest or take a shower. Like, no, it's meditation time. And even you can hear each other closing the windows or turning the washroom. You hear your neighbors mm -hmm. on the floor. So it's also like, although you're in the room, it's still, and in silence, it's still communal thing. At least in that building, like facilities will be different. But I remember on the, na the night, day nine, I decided I'm going to take it super easy. So whichever I can, because some you can't be in the room, some you have to be in the meditation hall. So whichever I can, I'll go, I'll be in the room, very relaxed, very chill, try to focus, try to do the work, whatever they are saying, following instructions, not trying to invent my thing or go like on a... Uh, daydreaming on no trying to focus and do the meditation as it should be but make super comfortable for myself in the meditation hall i'll take the easiest the most uh, comfortable pose that i already figure out by that time for myself for my body take it easy and then at some point i remember early in the day there was one meditation that it felt such a flow and you don't feel the pain, or I, my experience was, you don't feel the pain, but you feel these different sensations in your body, and then you start going at some point, like inside your body too, not only in the surface, but it has to be gradual, so the jump start up. You know, like I'm giving like kind of progression, but hopefully you're not like uh, taking it. Uh, uh, Okay, but don't jump like if you're going through vipassana follow actually like day by day as they give but for me it was such a glow of sensations it was such not warmth in terms of temperature but such warmth inside it was unbelievable sensations and it was such lightness and happiness and peace. Like it was something really, really unbelievable that I experienced. And then even, I think it first was in the room. So I think the first meditation that I felt the sensation was in the room. But then even further meditation that were during the day in the hallway, I still was able to take with me the sensation to get into that sensation throughout meditation it was not starting like from first minute or two you need to go through the whole process like following instructions whatever it's uh, said but uh, it was a very very interesting day like yeah. I, I day nine this day one nine. that you had that you finally let go of uh, these 
holds or like worries of uh, sensations and things like this anchors i assume they are like i didn't know exactly what it was what tricked it maybe if it was something else i was doing it still happened or happened something else something different and i don't even know how exactly to describe but it was such an unbelievable sensation of peace and lightness and i remember like not even looking at myself i was so smiling the whole day i, I felt like glowing and so much was like happening not even inspiration because there was not much thought it was all about sensations even during the breaks in between meditation that you have a short breaks or longer breaks it still was was there but then what happened because most of the people got that sensation or at least i saw by like on the last day of my faces on the day 10 and this is a very typical experience from what I heard. You get in the state closer to the end, like on day 10 especially. But then what happened to me on the day 9 on the lectures, uh, it was mentioned that, oh, tomorrow will be the last day. We are going to learn a new different meditation that will really uh, soften all the wounds. Because he was talking that for many of people, many things came up, many wounds opened and i was mentioned that many people were like sobbing like really going through probably something dramatic in their head and i understand like this sensation uh so he was talking about on the last day there will be different meditation that will help to sort of soften up so on the day nine i i was in this very very unbelievable state and then i heard oh the next day will be something that will even more like you know bring this peace and, calm, an yeah. and i build expectations yes that's what i was talking about trying not to build this craving for even more so i was thinking oh it's day 10 will be not just how i feel on day nine it will be even better because now it will be even better like some some special meditation and it didn't happen. First of all, I was not really getting in the morning because it's only morning that you really on day 10 seriously work on meditation. So I was not really getting that much into the same status on day 9. It still felt like nice and calm and peaceful like morning meditation. But then came time to this last meditation. I was like, oh, okay, like new meditation technique. And it was literally the first time introduction was like 2-3 minutes. I don't know how long, but very brief. Just listening to some words, the most typical meditation you will think about, like, oh, feel peaceful, feel grateful, share the peace and joy with other people, like, etc., 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 just a few minutes. And then I remember, I was like, wait, and that's it? That's it? That's the super meditation? And also, it was talking a lot, this last meditation, it's about peace and happiness, not just for yourself, it's about spreading and wishing all the people it builds up of course gradually but the idea is like wishing peace and happiness to all people on the planet all people in the universe to all living beings and then it's a beautiful idea and it opens up probably many beautiful things but on personal experience for me i'm still ukrainian i still have war in my country it's almost a year by the time we like very soon in a 
week or so it will be here. And when you think about the vision, peace and happiness to all people in the universe, wanting or not, like for me, like those... You're not there. It was a conflict. Yeah, like, I mean, okay, I don't actively wish death to anyone. I don't have that in me right now. But I'm not sincere in trying to, like, I, I can't. It's you, just... should, you should also mention that, uh, ironically, the, there was only one more foreigner, right, on, yeah. the, on the place. And that, no, you should mention, because these thoughts coming out of nowhere without us yeah. mentioning this is important. So Be, and let me just mention mm -hmm. this, because, uh, like, uh, we're sort of jumping around, because it's like, but I think it's interesting for people to get, because I don't know, like, most people, maybe, I don't know how many, but like people will like listen to this, be interested in Vipassana or interested in meditation or this, but also from, let's say, a little bit of my point of view, because just that's like, uh, I thought like, because throughout these 10 days, like I was like on my own, it was one of the main things, just to deviate a little bit from there, but then we're coming back mm -hmm. to this, is that, and I think that's why it's appealing for people today, that you're so addicted to our phones and communication, mm -hmm. that the seduction of taking it out of you, like this mind, not only the mind boot camp, because you can always go to the middle of the woods and do whatever yeah. is there, right? So there is a social element of it. It's a nice place in this case. It was like, a, it is a church, the Catholic church that uh, the place, and it has like pl uh, places for people to, to sleep. It's very nice and green and separate. So it's like a conducive I assume to these kinds of uh, situations but we did not communicate for for this uh, 10 days so I did not know like how you were you did not know how I, yes. I was and of course one of the reasons for us to like I had to keep an eye on uh, Yana's parents and our friends in Ukraine to see if there was going to be any problems so that I can at least reach her and of course they have like a emergency phone in case you need to contact someone there and all that but I'm mentioning this because when you came back my thinking was speaking of Ukrainians, and we can come back to this, is that my experience with um, Slavic people in general, and you make fun of this too, is that usually people are complaining about something. Yeah. Like, it's the way, I don't know, traumatized people, way of, of control is to try to control something, especially something you can't control, then you can, like, we even made fun that whenever we go on airplanes that have a lot of Slavic people, the first thing they do is complain about something on the phone and call their moms, <laughs> right? So, it's that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember that my thought when I was, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go pick Yana up, and in the end, you just decided to come, right? Um, uh, and then you woke me up, like, it's like, oh, cool, you're back, and all that. But I remember my thinking was, I wonder what she will complain as soon as we arrived. That was the first thing I thought. Like, and it actually happened. And what happened was, and I mentioned this from, like, from my perspective, and I thought that was, of course, insensitive from the people in the, that were organizing. It was not on purpose, but it was insensitive that you said that they thought you were Russian and they kept talking okay, about it. So, so just to clarify, there was only two foreigners it's in Brazil and Curitiba, so there are only two foreigners that were taking Vipassana courses as students. It was me and another girl was Russian. Whichever, I don't know her story, I don't know why she's here or whatever. She was not speaking Portuguese, so probably arrived recently at some point. I don't know much. But the thing was, which was happening that uh, every day the lectures were separate. And this, from the first day, there was a moment that they were treating us or me as if like, oh, Ukrainian-Russian is the same. Which probably 
in a normal circumstances, I would not really pay much attention from perspective like, oh, like we are from that region. For them, for Brazilians, it's far. It's somewhere there. Yeah, it's like just for, like for me as a Brazilian guy in Ukraine, it's basically if you're South American, you're South American. There's yeah. no difference. They have like no idea. Many people like, oh, Latino. Yeah. It's all the same for yeah. so South Africa. Oh, South Africa. South America. Yeah. Mexico, it's kind of all the same for some people. So for some people, it will be sort of the same region. But in this case, with active war, with things, you can be a little bit more sensitive. You can just acknowledge. And like to, there are some like technical things like, oh, like Russian language. I was like, I didn't put Russian language Wait, on so my application that, uh... or in terms of communication. Because they are asking on the initial application which country you're from. But it's more like, which languages you speak so that they know because it can be international like, group in any country so they just need to make sure that they have some among managers or teachers that if you need to speak them they will approach and for me I decided like I would rather keep communication in English like I lived in Canada so many years it's not like foreign foreign language like it's not native language but I'm comfortable in English 90% of my communication these days it's in English hmm. so I put English, and of course I'm from Ukraine, I put Ukrainian, but I was like, I don't want to deal during these 10 days with anything Russian. I don't. Just my like personal choice, like I don't want to be reminded if there's a group of Russian students, whatever, but I would prefer to listen in English lectures, have communication in English, it's my choice. But then from the first day it was like, by default, without even asking me, they try to put me in a group, like what they try to put in, in, English, in Russian language lectures. And I was like, wait, I discovered it by surprise. And I think that's what caught me yeah. by surprise. Like, wait, in, in, the whole day, all instructions for meditation was in English. Suddenly, like, it's not going to be in English lecture? Like, why? So there was kind of, not tension, but like a couple of unpleasant moments for me in terms of being treated as if it's the same country what's the difference but then at the end they put in uh, lectures in English no, and at even the end, you mean in the beginning already no at the end it of this yeah, situation yeah. they yeah. ended up playing in English and actually even more couple more people came to listen because they preferred in English I think actually there are more foreigners but they were more like from I don't know from where Argentina or close by countries uh, so their Portuguese was not Brazilian Portuguese was not their and main best. native language so they actually joined a couple more among servers, actually not students. So right. among students, there's only two, but among servers, a couple more people joined because they preferred to listen in English. So at the end, I guess it worked out even better for a group, bigger group of people. But that's fine. Coming back to day 10, when it happened to be about this meditation of vision happiness, like I could, to all the people, to all the living beings, like I couldn't feel sincere in trying to wish it, which happened like a little conflict like not conflict in front in, inside me but it kind of felt not clicking not finished so that meditation plus i had this expectations that i was talking about about sensations oh day 10 will be even like feeling better than day nine which didn't happen and then once this meditation is done you're coming out of the meditation hall and that was the moment of breaking the noble silence so now we can chat for the rest of the day and next morning. We still have a couple of meditations, but it's very light. It's more like organizational. They share some videos about uh, 
uh, Goenka about the Vipassana in India, or how it was spread around the world. Like, so they give a little bit more about the, the course and the, the system of teaching from logistic point of view, from history point of view. Uh, but you still have a couple of meditations. But then you get out of meditation hall, and I remember everyone started talking, everyone started like chatting, and it's 90 plus people. Okay, it was a big territory, but not that huge. And everyone is right there because there is in half an hour another activity, so most people don't even go to the room, they just stick around there, and they start talking and chatting, and that noise, that crazy noise of 90 women who were for 10 days in silence and now they want to talk and to share and I was like I, I'm not I'm very introverted in general person I'm not much about socialization but in that moment of the nine days of silence and with this very frustrating feeling after this last meditation that I come out all this noise is like I don't want to 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 hear to think and everyone is curious. Yeah, ah, there are only two foreigners. Yeah. Not only two foreigners, but they came to Brazil and they took time to go to Vipassana. All the, so yeah. <gasps> let me chat. And everyone is start trying to come in to chat with me. And for them, it's a new conversation. For me, it's like 10 times hearing, oh, so where are you from? Oh, you are from Russia? I was like, no, I'm not from Russia. Also, oh, how many times are you in Brazil? So it's very typical question. So for people, it's interesting. They really want to share talk like they can't sincerely but as I am not in a talkative mood I hear these questions 10 times within this last hour that we broke the meditation I don't feel like this noise I'm very frustrated and I feel like I'm stuck inside me like shaking and that crying out of nowhere I cannot even understand or realize because there is no particular thought of like why I'm crying but I just want something really comes out I want to cry I don't want anyone around me I was very lucky that I think my neighbor in the room she kind of was sort of similar because in the room I remember we neighbor I, you mean your roommate yeah roommate mm -hmm. uh, I came to the room on the bed on the cover and she kind of did I think the same so she was hiding like from all that noise and I remember I was really thinking to even skip the lunch time because I don't but then I kind of calmed down and I remember going, I waited till like really long so the line to get the food uh, like passes most so I don't need to wait in the line much. So I can just come in, get whatever food is left, eat, wash my plate and then go out without much of waiting like in the social space because I was not in a good place to socialize at that moment. But then I remember going through the yard and it was very nice, sunny weather, very warm. Nobody around because everyone is in the dining like room eating and then I'm coming towards this door and it's like bright outside and the door is like dark. You can't really see inside it, but it's such a noise and like crazy noise of 90 women chatting in that room comes out and I was like walking. It's like it feels like I'm trying to approach a hell hole. <laughs> It's like that noise out of the darkness and mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm really not into it. But then I just thought like, okay, I 
need to eat because the, the amount of food you're not really eating much there and, and you should mention very that it's emotional. all vegetarian and it's a specific times and uh, yeah and so you that. have a schedule every day you wake up at four four thirty starts the first meditation which is two hours long at six thirty you have a breakfast which is like one hour and a half they give a break breakfast is like very typical like her fr- i mean Every person will have slightly different menu because it's servers who decide on the menu. And in our case, it was like some fruits, it was always oat with some like uh, jams that you can add, bread with some spread, sweet and not sweet. So very typical. You can have coffee. Uh, I think but already on the breakfast. Not to get much into that. I was just mentioning. And that. then uh, for lunch, it's also like, then you have another three hours of meditation, which is spread one hour. It's a meditation that you have to be together. Uh together with people it's a group meditation then two hours uh, a little bit more not chill i can't say it's still a meditation but it's a little short break then you have lunch and lunch was vegetables based uh, vegetables and some rice or like bulgur sometimes pasta but there is no meat basically nothing that would uh, require to kill a living being to kill an animal so there was a milk there uh provided sometimes there was a cheese if you want to put on pasta but like no eggs no meat no chicken also nothing like that and the lunch is between 11 to noon then you have one hour break and then at around five you can have a tea and one fruit like apple or orange or banana sometimes two fruits actually for all students they couldn't they only can have a tea for those who come second time and the idea is that you are not overeating because if you eat a lot you'll get sleepy yeah. that's Sharp what the mind yeah so you can you serve yourself you can take as much as possible but they joke like okay we don't serve dinner here but don't approach it oh i'll get my dinner during lunch to plates because the idea is that you want your mind and your body be sharp in senses and like thoughts to release and thoughts uh, and if you overeat you'll get sleepy so you in general you don't really eat that much i mean compared to what you eat in the regular life so on that last day i was really really seriously thinking like okay i'll just be here on my own but then last moment like okay no let me grab at least something to make sure because i still have at least 24 hours to survive <laughs> here before i come home yeah it's uh, but then anyway just to finish off then uh, you had your uh, hypersonic people like uh, talking that was a bit you know what i just thought that would be uh. funny uh, <laughs> they should have <laughs> for this last thing that people start talking again you should have you know like in the show you don't know this because i don't think you went to a churrascaria here that it's like the brazilian uh like um uh, meat restaurants that they keep rotating and serving you different kinds of meats. And one thing that they do here is that you have a little green or a red sign to say, keep bringing me meat or I'm okay, no need to bring it right now so you don't get overstuffed. They should have a little sign of like, do not talk to me, I'm not ready for this kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That was the thing that was missing for me because on that final day, in terms of lectures and guidance during meditation, there was no, you know, like space or reminder for people like maybe not everyone will get into that enlightened happy place uh, wanted to chat and, and share like this thing and happiness and for me like most of the day i was trying during the breaks to be in the room 
Uh, but then there are still some things that, like, okay, they ring the bell, acknowledging some new activity will start soon, either like a lecture or meditation or video presentation that was like on the last afternoon they were given. But that doesn't mean it starts immediately. They give you little preparation. So you go through the room and then few minutes you may still hang out before it starts. So I was really trying to go to the furthest corner, somewhere behind the column or behind the bush to sit somewhere, like be on my own. And still people like, oh, I remember she's a foreigner. I, I kind of feel the senses they're trying to approach me, like go into that corner, like very, there's a very nice approach, very enthusiastic to talk to me, to share something. And I was like, I'm not in a talkative mood. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like now that you talk about it, it's like, that's how you are usually. It's not like about people. Like you usually have a very adverse uh, thing for people. No, just I'm not from my observation. I'm, I'm difficult to get people let into my space. Yes. Yes. So the, what? I, but not only that. What I was thinking. I just thought it now. Like not as a criticism. It's just as an observation. Is that because I think it has to do a lot with this something to learn mm -hmm. from the experience that you have either this we all have this anticipation of something you want or this aversion of something you don't want. You didn't catch it for letting people in, which is like, yeah. it's your reaction that to the people coming to talk. Cause it will be very simple and people understand, I'm sorry, I cannot talk right now and go away. It will be very simple. It's just that you already judging them because they want to talk to you. And it's your reaction that causes most of the harm. That's my observation from our like our time. To me, it's the other way around. I'm just mentioning ah. this as a contrast because to me, I seek conversation. I don't. I seek trying to see something interesting about people, even if it is a person that is like I don't know Uber driver, person on the street. That's why I and I have this belief that the more people you meet, the more people you engage with. The more opportunities uh, appear in many ways, right? Even things that I was even, it will sound like a side tangent, but it's not. Yesterday I was mentioning to you like, oh, I was passing by this um, uh, like hair salon, like this barbershop like for men. And I thought they're doing such different hairstyles uh, there than people do it in Brazil in general. And yesterday I noticed that they were actually speaking Spanish there. So I said, oh, cool, like Curitiba now has like many foreigners coming, mm -hmm. so they'll have their own different styles. And my point is because I pay attention so much, the other way around, the complete yeah. yang to that, um, that um, of course there would be the problems of you staying with yourself and paying attention to yourself, which is the kind of work that I have to, to, to deal with. So I'm not saying holier than thou to you. I'm just saying that then you pay attention to all the cool, let's say, gifts that people being around you like will give. And to you, there is, since I know you, has always been that way. Um, and But I think what the insight may be insight, like, but my thought right now was that your reaction to people wanting to talk to you is the part that is the problem. Yes, that's of course, that's definitely. And for me, it was more like um, not even judging people for that they want to talk to me. That's very understandable and there's no problems with that. But for me, it was preparation because it was, uh, I was, 
in all cases, I was really aware that I need right now my space. So I was comfortable just to say, sorry, I'm not in talkative mode. And people were understanding that's not a problem um, at all. It just, I was making fun, like how I was really trying to find the spots and corners for this waiting time to be on my own. And people still were, were finding me there. It was just more like a comment, like on the funny side of it. But then for me, Every time I had to talk through like, oh, sorry, I'm not in a talkative mode and then maybe get up and like go somewhere or like just keep going in my way. It was a lot of tension and that cryness was coming out unpleasant. So it was more about not even judging people. It was more anticipation and preparation Mm -hmm. like for me to experience these very unpleasant sensations, which... I was not expecting literally on the last day, you know, like you want mm-hmm. to finish experience on the lighter, like now it's positive mode. For me, it wasn't, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know because it's very subjective and it all depends. Uh, but I finished on this very, very rough emotional state. And for me, again, when we broke silence meditation, my it was second time I had a very strong urge, like I just want to grab my stuff and get out of here. It was really difficult to be uh, in that environment. I'm very happy that I didn't do, that I didn't also reminding the cell that there will be different stages, emotional stages in different process and probably just a stage. So I remember in the afternoon meditation, when we did the meditation, again, this new meditation, the Vipassana meditation, I already was able to calm down. So afterwards was easier. It was fine all, like not all fine, but it was much calmer, much easier. But that initial sort of like hit, then I come out slightly frustrated and not even frustrated, like it's now I'm thinking back, I understand this little frustration. Back then it's just like, okay, just strange, like kind of like didn't click on me anything. And then you come out in that like chatting, noise, interaction, like all that, like, you know, party starts let's say Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was just like a a contrast for me but it was definitely a very interesting experience that brought up many things (laughs) so in terms of uh because you said that uh, like what he brought so what do you think he brought to you like if you want i mean maybe it's something that you don't want to share you don't want to mention i don't know like uh, but no it's more the question what will stay (laughs) and if anything changed and i think it's more like the question to you even like during this week one week uh, i'm back from you personally did you observe any changes (laughs) Um, not really not really like i don't know like it's one of those things that I don't know, I have this impression that, I mean, I haven't gone through this and I did not have the urge to do this, mm-hmm. right? Um, for you, probably the idea of like, at least when you were explaining to me what it was, it was appealing to you, the idea mm-hmm. of no eye contact, people don't bug me, people don't talk, I can be on my own. It's something that appeals to you, like appealed to you before. To me, it's not even that I, I don't, I was going to make a joke that to me that's the definition of hell, but it's not really because I really like being my, by myself, like I enjoy it, but I do crave having other people around. I do crave things happening, 
which in a way I know that it's on my own, like on previous uh, episode we talked about that I started doing like some work with like Jungian psychology, like going to therapy, things like that. And uh, that's the main thing that is that like the work with psychologists showing how unconnected I am with myself in Mm -hmm. that way. So, but I have no interest in being alone, not talking. Like, I don't, have no interest. Like, um, it's not that I actively... It's not repulsive to me, the idea, but it's... Uh, maybe I'm just not enlightened enough. But, like, to me, it's not something that... And that reminds me of something that I... Maybe I mentioned this on the previous episode. I don't know. But it's this book, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And this idea that you can get a lot of um, benefit from different kinds of activities and find the one that will appeal to you, right? I think uh, for not having gone through this Vipassana thing, and actually even that's one of the things that I would love to be doing, but I don't do it. I did for a few like weeks at most on a stretch that is meditating for like 10, 15 minutes, but meditating on the mindful meditation or like, um, let's say the more in vogue these days, right? But I can't really keep a sustainable like... Um, uh, practice out of it and I think putting yourself in a completely different environment including body wise like oh you can't move which is a completely unnatural mm-hmm. thing for a human to do um, like that and also not having to see your like your phones or even like because we spend like months without like uh, like being together but we haven't been that we did not have the chance of communicating. It was always yeah. like checking in at the end of the day, even if it's like a long day or things like that. And uh, and also, I don't know, like to me, the impression I had, like we have this expectation that, oh, after this 10 days, we'll have this big change shift in our lives and stuff. And maybe the shift happened and I didn't see yet, you know, mm-hmm. like... Um, also, that's already an expectation from the ego of, uh, oh, am I enlightened? Like, even the question, you know, like, oh, did you see any changes? Well, I was curious like if you noticed or not. No. We were joking that now I'm less cranky than I'm hungry. <laughs> when? Yeah, the, yeah the, um, well, I don't know about that, but... Uh, <laughs> no, like, uh, no, like, I don't know, like, it's been just a week. Like, I couldn't see any... Um, you're particularly talkative uh, on the uh, on the day that you came back, which is kind of funny. So you wanted to tell that, um, and I don't know, like I don't know, I haven't, I I couldn't tell, like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. That was also first time experience for you. Then for ten days, you were without me on top of you (laughs) (laughs) or literally without any communication because as you mentioned yes with me like when you mentioned that uh we were like sometimes traveling apart so we were not physically together like even for a month or so like those times but there was always daily communication now it was the first time 10 days with zero communication yeah it was uh well and also the fact that we work together so and we we do a lot of work from home so actually literally like working all the time maybe that's uh why she needed the 10 days (laughs) apart it was from me (laughs) i need to get out of this guy for a while (laughs) no but the um to me it was like just briefly like my experience was really funny because literally the day i dropped you off to vipassana 
then by chance my friends like invited oh i just received two tons of uh, of grapes do you want to come help and make wine because my friend has a, a winery here a vineyard and um and the other friends saying oh so let's it started like this music um festival here in uh, in curitiba the, all the city with uh, workshops and uh, and shows and um, like off-road shows off broadway so so to speak shows and then uh, i was on the first week i was basically going out every day with some friends which is like before i met you it was my natural state like i would go out all the time i love going out i love to like meet people for like projects or to just hang out like it's um it's uh, my natural state is that mm -hmm. like uh, it's something that I take a lot of some people have this is even from those like uh, the personality tests like the big five uh, that uh, people that are introverted or have slightly more neuroticism and all that they can be social but in certain contexts and they like having social interactions depletes them of energy mm -hmm. whereas for more extroverted people like me uh, with lower levels of neuroticism and like there are certain elements that we'll do that we crave that interaction. It energizes me mm -hmm. to do that. So um, in the end, it was like a very cool experience. I was able to go to... Because that's one thing that I think it's important for people to know too. Like uh, when, you, when you are in a relationship or even, even if you have a roommate, there will be certain ways that people do certain things mm -hmm. and you adapt to the other. And hopefully it's a harmonious experience that you can talk about like, oh, what bugs you or not from dishes to like what time to sleep and those things. And in general, we are very chill about the relationship, but it does mold it. So for example... If it was up to me, I would go out all the time, do, do activities all the time, you know. Um, but the good thing is that at least for us as a couple, like, uh, I don't expect you to come with me to all the mm -hmm. things that I do. And one thing that I notice in this 10 days is like, oh, yeah, right. I have my own things. I don't need to, um, uh, What's what would be the word, like. To pull another person in them. Yeah, like, I don't need to... Oh, are you going to be okay? If you like, you don't want to go, you don't want to go. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that uh, that is kind of interesting. And then, of course, after, I don't know, like a week of, like, doing all sorts of social activities, both work and, um, like, more personal, um, I was like, no, let me chill and work. So I was working on... Uh, of course, because Jana also gave me the to-do list from hell from our work. No, just kidding. But like, no, I had Reminded a lot of we stuff. have business together. Yes, yes. So we had a lot, I had a lot of stuff to do. But the cool thing is that I was able to like do a certain pace that I... There is this phrase, I can't remember who said, but I even have a poster in Kiev. If it's still there, when we come back, I, I want to put it on my wall. That is, um, there was, it's a dance performance actually. There was a photo with a poster that the lady said i only exist when no one's looking mm. like and um and how much of that interaction like influences us and when we can be alone but with people around to see where we want to be and what we want to do i think anyway to me it was um, a cool experience of that like this balance so anyway so i'm very happy you're back i'm happy you didn't join a cult or went on a on, I don't know, some uh, different kind of, uh, I don't know, adventure. And, uh, well, 
happy nothing bad happened because that was one of my main concerns whenever there's groups that even though I'm not seeing about Vipassana specifically but anytime there's groups from hot yoga to um, to what's the name I don't know like what's the name of that religion Scientology or Vikram yoga or like whatever like becomes there's an element of cult related to it uh, that may transform into bad things so i'm glad it was not the case like that it was like a cool and the people that i saw like when i, I went to to take you there and see if there was any news with needs with the language and whatever like they seem to be like all like cool chill people um so i'm glad you had a pleasant uh, a pleasant experience for me it was also like a cool interesting 10 days like uh, uh and uh, it made me think of like i as I said, I have no interest specifically at this for now in anything like that. But those things of like disciplining the mind to do uh, like difficult things and um, take st sticking to the bare minimum of uh, bare minimum no to the bare necessities, the actual things that you need, like in terms of food, of shelter, of like thinking. I think that would be beneficial. Any version of this would be beneficial to any kind of person. So I'm glad you went through the experience and survived. <laughs> yeah, well, Vipassana, pleasant or unpleasant, because there are both moments and multiple of each. Uh, it was definitely a cool learning experience. Uh, definitely something I would say, if not to try, at least to consider for, for a person, because it will be everyone will have different experience and everyone will take different things out of it yeah, i for feel sure. so. yeah the um, one of the jokes we were making is that uh, a lot of people that i like admire like even like i think tim ferris and uh, sam harris and a bunch of uh, people that have gone through like these kinds of retreats like uh, i don't know if it was specifically vipassana mm -hmm. but it was like this 10 days um of silent meditation stuff how like strong to like how transformative uh, experience uh, it can be so like i'm all for all those kinds of uh, any any time you do action to try to get your your situation a little bit better is already a like an amazing thing and i'm sure i will find my version of uh, of this kinds of um uh let's say enlightened activities we'll see like um we shall see. So, well, on this um, note, yeah. So, this has been Artist Date with Jana Kovarnitska, Pedro Bonato. You can find me on social media at Pedro Bonato with two T's. Jana, you can find at Jana underline dance everywhere on Instagram and uh, in, in the, and everywhere. Um, again, if you enjoy the episode, you feel free to share, to do like review on uh, podcast platforms, or they leave a like, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Um, and uh, we will see you the next time.